With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. HN Podcast, Miller and Dace edition, getting to the end of Dace's annual college football preview. Preview last week, we did his top 50 as well as some of his coaching rankings. This week, we're going to take a look at some of his conference team-by-team power rankings and then reveal his conference predictions. So the power ranking win range is not necessarily where Steve will have these teams slotted in his conference predictions. With that being said, let's go to the ACC. And Steve, let's factor in the ground rules here. When you put together your power rankings, you uh, give points for maybe a little extra nod for uh, a positive, impactful coaching factor and also a returning quarterback. Why don't you explain what you do with that? What I do, you're right, um, everybody is assessed what I think is a win range. And the reason I put a win range on it is because I haven't factored in their schedule yet. Okay, so based on what a team at that level would typically pay, or I mean would typically play, I should say. Um, you know, now some years are outliers. You have some where I thought this year you only played three conference home games in the Southeastern Conference, for example. You know, but that's an outlier. That, that doesn't happen on a regular basis. So on, a, on an annual or a more like a perennial basis, what is the level of, of competition that team plays? I then assess them a win range of within two games based on that, based on who they have returning and what they have coming in uh, from a recruiting standpoint. Uh, and, and so obviously the recruiting standpoint would tend to favor the, the teams that recruit more at, a, at an elite level because their guys are more physically developed than a program like an Iowa that's a developmental program or a Wisconsin that has to cycle up, right? And then um, if you have an experienced, it used to be senior or upperclassman quarterback, but in the last couple of years I've just changed it to experienced successful quarterback as we've seen more and more freshmen and sophomores um, be impactful at that position. So if you have an experienced, successful quarterback returning, I move you up a range. So if I thought you were a six to eight win team and you have an experienced, successful quarterback returning, I think that's such a positive factor. You're now a seven to nine win team. And then I just started this last year when I started my coaching hot board. Then I, I give a star factor to a team that I consider to have an elite coach, a coach that is known for, on, on, on an annual basis, getting the most out of his talent, and then some. And and that comes into play when I start doing the WLing of everybody's schedules. And if there's a game there that I have that is a toss-up game, then the tie goes to the runner. In this case, the runner is the team that has the elite, co- the elite coach, if indeed that's a coach in that particular game. And so what we're going to discuss here is essentially this is the Rosetta Stone, if you will, for how I then would go back. It's like an RPI. This is not a perfect inducement of, of what my predictions are going to be, but it gives you the framework of what I'm thinking as I make them. All right. And with that, let's go to the um, ACC where you have Boston College between four and six wins. You have Clemson between eight to ten with a uh, plus sign there. And as you just mentioned, a plus sign means they have a head coach who is historically elite. An asterisk is going to mean that they have a returning quarterback. So you definitely give Clemson uh, a bump up for Dabo, but they will be breaking in a new quarterback. That's a big factor. None of their quarterbacks really impressed in the spring. Um, you know, I've been listening on Sirius XM. I've been listening to all the like, uh, conference uh, media uh, media uh, days that we've had so far. The SEC and the ACC went this week. And, you know, Dabo is saying, hey, right now, Kelly Bryant's our starter. Well, Kelly Bryant's the placeholder guy. Kelly Bryant's the guy you start because 
the guy you the guy or guys you want to start aren't ready yet. You know this they had this a few years ago when Deshaun Watson was a freshman. He didn't start the year, and a guy who had been their placeholder quarterback did. They lose a game early at Georgia, and had they had they played and they brought Deshaun Watson actually off the bench. He darn near led him to a comeback win. If they had won that game, they might have been in the in the in the college football playoff three years in a row. Frankly, um, so uh, that uh, that tells me that those younger guys haven't really stepped up yet. And I think that's going to be a big factor for Clemson because, John, and I, before we get to October 1, they play Auburn, they are at Louisville, and they are at Virginia Tech. Mm. And so, you know, you got to think you're going to drop at least one of those games if you don't have that quarterback position settled yet. Indeed. Um, and we won't – Duke's on there. There's really no need to talk about some of these. Um, Florida State, you have them between, between 10 and 12. They get the bump for the coach, and they also get the bump for the quarterback, so the uh, the double bump. Well, you have DeAndre Francois, who proved last year he can do two things, make plays, and he made plays a lot at the end of games. Uh, came back, uh, you know, well, North Carolina ended up winning that game, but he led him on a touchdown drive to, at the end of the game, which looked like it was going to win. Did it at the Orange Bowl. Uh, did, it, did it several times last year where he brought Florida State back late in games. So we learned he could make plays. We also learned that dude could take a punch. I mean, you go watch. I, I would urge our audience. I said this when I was hosting on SiriusXM last night. Go watch the film of Miami, Florida State. Go find that game on YouTube from last year. And you're going to find that DeAndre Francois was not throwing from a pocket. He was throwing from a launch point. Okay? I mean, if, if, if Miami players did to, did to DeAndre Francois... In any other venue, what they did to him in that game, folks would be in the in, in the clink. I, I mean, it was it was like watching clips of like an Oliver Stone any given Sunday over dramatization or dramatization of, of of the kind of hits these guys take. Except this was real life, and so that offensive line has got to get better. But that's pound for pound one of the toughest quarterbacks in college football, brother. Uh, indeed, you've got Louisville between seven and nine, also with the quarterback returning, who is the returning Heisman Trophy winner, and a bump up for the coach. Well, that tells you right there that Schedule. I don't think Louisville has much other than Lamar Jackson, right? So if if they're if if they're if they're at a seven to nine range, and that's because of him, that tells you that I think they're essentially, you know, an Independence Bowl. Bahamas Bowl kind of team, except they've got him. And you, you know, listen, if you don't like Bobby Petrino, it ain't like he hasn't given you plenty of reasons off the field not to. But on the field, the guy's never won fewer than eight games in a season as head coach. Hmm. Um, Miami, you have between eight and ten. You're, you're you've been consistently high on them in all of our conversations uh, this summer, and had. They not lost their quarterback to the NFL draft early. I, I would wonder how high you would have them. I'd have them in the preseason top ten. Yeah. I think talent wise, they're they are the they. I think they separated themselves a little bit from the rest of that division now. They just don't have a quarterback, so I think that's a big key. But I think they have the best defensive front seven in the Coastal Division in the ACC. And, you know, I know that's traditionally not a strong, the strong division in that league, but even bad Virginia Tech teams play some damn good defense. So I think they've got the best defensive front seven in that division, maybe the best defensive front seven they've had in several years. I think Mark Walton uh, could be a 1,500-yard rush, rushing back for them. I think the receivers are there. I, I think they're there with the exception of the quarterback. And... So, I mean, I think for Miami, this is a year that either they take that step or they're 8-4 and four again, and next year is the year they take that step. Um, others of note from the ACC, uh, two others. You have both NC State and Virginia Tech in a 7-9 to nine range with NC State returning its quarterback. And Virginia Tech also lost theirs, I believe, to the NFL. They did. I mean, my, the best line of the offseason is Tom Luganville at ESPN – when he said that um, Gerard Evans, the Virginia Tech quarterback, is the first college football player ever to declare early for the Canadian Football League draft. Okay, that is, 
<laughs> that is the best line. That is the money shot, cash money line of the offseason, brother, right there. Okay, and I think it's a big loss for Virginia Tech. They may go with a redshirt freshman there. They may go with a Juco transfer again. So we'll see. I mean, you know they're going to play defense. You know, Bud Foster's defense, speaking of cash money, they are pretty much that every single year. But they're going to have some questions on offense. No question about that. All right, moving on. Uh, let's let's just get to the Big Ten right now. Um, you have uh, we'll go team by team, and some of these teams that are kind of scrubby, you don't have to go to talk too much about. In, Illinois two and four. You know, I, I just I, I look. You know, it's a rebuild. Yeah, I, I don't think Levy Smith will be Illinois coach within three years. I just don't think it's going to work out. In looking at what they're doing on the recruiting trail, it's more of what they're not doing on the recruiting trail. It's not like Levy's vision is is being sold all that well. Uh, so if they're going to get it done, they're going to have to be developmental. And and frankly, it's just in our lifetimes, I can't ever say that it's been a developmental program. They haven't had that level of consistency that level of chemistry when they've made their flashes they made their flashes with some pretty darn good players there's some good player from that state you know under Ron Zook he had that uh, offensive coordinator who was from out in Washington DC and then who went down to coach uh, in one of the New Mexico schools Mike Loxley yeah, yeah Mike Loxley who was pulling in some big time recruits Big time recruits, and I'm sure he's at a big time school now. I can't remember which one it is, but he's at a big. It's, time Al- it's Alabama school now. So, yeah, that, that, well, that's as big time as it gets. Yeah, so there you go. Like he's at Alabama, and I, I'm I'm not saying that you know they were uh, doing anything under the table at Illinois, but I'm not saying that they're not. Anyway, I I don't know what you think about Illinois and Levy Smith. I just don't think it's going to work. I'm getting there, and you know I love Levy Smith. I love what he stands for as a man. Uh, he's a man's man, and he's a hell of a football coach. But here's what concerns me. He's got two things going for him that should immediately pay dividends on the on the recruiting trail. One is Super Bowl appearances and a Super Bowl ring. Right? So, you know, you want to get to the show, this guy knows, you know, what it takes to get to the show. He has scouted guys like you are. Two, he's a successful black head coach. Recruiting in a lot of houses and neighborhoods where a strong black male role model is something that the recruit's mama would love to send her baby off to have, to teach him how to be a man. And you would think with those two things in the hopper that the issue for them would be, does he know how to develop young kids at this age? Not, can he even recruit them? And I, I can't think of a name of a of a kid that we're thinking right now through two recruiting year. Well, get, get, no, last year he got hired in the mid of the off season, so it doesn't count. But this past recruiting season, I can't think of a guy that you just thought, you know what, that that's a lovey. He got that guy because of his clout, who he is. That's what I'm concerned about because that tells me now you're not creating buzz among the local high schools there. You're not you're not generating energy there. And if you can't generate energy and buzz there, well, that's the foundation. You're gonna, that's the lifeblood you're going to build your program out from, John. Indeed, indeed. Uh, Indiana five to seven wins with the uh, asterisk for asterisk is the quarterback. Um, you, you've been pretty high on them. The times we've talked about them this summer. Yeah, Indiana is one of the few teams I think has a chance to outperform their win range. Actually, hmm. um, I, I like the makeup of their team. I think they have a, a playmaker at quarterback that has some pro potential. Uh, I think they have a good defensive front and, and and a terrific defensive front by Indiana standards, which means I think it's good by Big Ten standards. And outside of those four games, you know, uh, the three biggies in the Big Ten in the East, Michigan, Michi- Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State, and they host Wisconsin, which I think they got a puncher's chance to win that game at home. Outside of that, I think they're favored in every other game easy. Um, Iowa, you also have in the same win range as Indiana with a plus for the coach effect. Five to seven wins for Iowa. Well, this is probably where I ask you to analyze what I have predicted. I picked Iowa to finish 6-6. Six and six in my predictions that I released uh, near the 4th of July. So I would say that that's right there in the middle. Now, I mean, 
I didn't go game by game this year and say, okay, I was going to win at you know Michigan State. They're going to lose at Iowa State. I basically went and and kind of gave a number between one and ten. The higher the number, the more likely I felt I was winning. Probability was the lower the number. Anything below a five, I leaned to the FO. Anything above a five, I leaned to Iowa. And then what I did is I added up those points. And I divided it by 12, and it was something like 6.3 or something. Some, it was less than 6.5, so I rounded down. Now, I think that Ohio State and Penn State are very, very likely losses. I'm not. I, I think that maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Um, I think that there are probably four to five wins that I would actually absolutely write in. Then you've got a game at Michigan State. Uh, I, I actually think the Wisconsin game can – I'm not as impressed with Wisconsin on the whole. Maybe I should be. Um, I know Their schedule is almost going to give them 10 wins. But I think that that is a, a winnable game for Iowa, but I'd still favor Wisconsin. I think the Nebraska game is a winnable game for Iowa, but since it's on the road, I favor Nebraska. I think the Northwestern game is a winnable game for Iowa, but it's on the road. So, here, Steve, there's four games that I think are winnable for Iowa. Michigan State. North, uh, Northwestern, Nebraska, and then Wisconsin to a lesser degree than the first three. But all four of those are on the road. So yeah. if if half of those were home and, or four of them were at home, then I'd probably, I might be pushing this team to eight and four. But because the road games and you're going to have a new starting quarterback and a wide receiver core that probably half the Iowa fans can't even give you the name of anybody other than uh, Vandenberg, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. You have the same analysis as I do. I mean, essentially, the schedule that favored Iowa the last couple of years reverses against that now. And and we haven't, we haven't talked about the fact going on the road against Iowa State, which better Iowa teams than this one have gone there and lost. And I, I've got no idea if Iowa State can stop anybody. You know, I've got three Iowa State guys on my all-Big 12 team. I don't think I've had that in several years, maybe since Dan McCartney was the coach here, um, actually. So they're going to score points. I mean, they have something like 86% of their offensive output from last year is back. I don't know how many times they're going to stop teams because, you know, their Iowa State's defense is poor even by Big 12, uh, corporate collective uh, defensive standards. But you and I have seen, sat there and watched more talented Iowa teams than this one go in there and and stuff their toe. But so we're the, la- the, the last we're not even factoring that game into what you right. just said too. So the last damn time I went to that stadium, you and I were there together. Mm-hmm. It was 175 degrees <laughs> with a 500 with a 500 mile an hour wind. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't bother me as much nowadays, but when I was packing about 340 lbs, that was a rough day, bro. You know, if I watched the tape of that now, I'd probably cringe um, because I was still such so green as a broadcaster, but. That was one of the more cool things we ever did. Frankly. It was a big time moment. I mean, Mediacom crushed it, man. They had the set. We were right there in front of the tailgate alley. We were. It was loaded with fans behind us. It was. It was an. It was a moment and an event bigger and better than we were. Let's oh, there's no way. question about that. There's no yeah. doubt about it. I mean, it, it, it was. It was like an ESPN game day type. Yeah. It was insane. And we had Bullsby. We had Van, uh, Vandervelde. Is that his name? Yep. Um, we had a ton of get. Yeah, I mean Pat. Those guys at MediaCom. That that was that was one of the best. You still have that uh, recording somewhere, right? I do have a. I've got a Rubbermaid in the laundry room down here next to the man cave with a bunch of our old tapes and DVDs. And you bet I've got that one. You, the, yeah. VH, the VHS ones from the Cyhawk Talk Show. Yeah, I've got several of those. All right, yeah. I'm, I'm going to send you a couple hundred. And and let's get copies of those made because I would love to have those anyway. Yeah, that that was it was so freaking hot, man, that day, and it was. I mean, it literally was like ninety five degrees game time temperature that day. It was nuts. And they, but they had an ace air conditioned trailer. You remember me running in there every commercial break just to stand in there for like three minutes every time. Uh, it was, yeah, I remember you doing that amongst other things. It was. It was. Well, you know, my my system doesn't like getting overheated, man. <laughs> it does not. It was hot. It was hot that day, brother. It was hot that day. Wow. 
Yeah, I, I'm, I'm. And I was and I, and I was nervous. I ain't get a front. I was nervous as hell. Oh too, yeah. So. I mean that was that was legit. That was a legit. Uh, there was a reason for that. I'm trying to find the the temperature. At some point in time, I'll uh, I'll go look up Ames's temperature while we're doing the show, and I'll just kind of non sequitur throw that back in. All right, um, you've got Maryland four to six. Not not this isn't the year for Maryland, but you think there are brighter days ahead for their program in general. If they can keep their coach, yeah. Yeah. Um, Michigan, 8 to 10 range, plus coaching effect, and asterisk for returning quarterback. Yes, you do. Sorry. I I skipped a year. I was thinking Jake Rudock was gone, but I forgot all about last year. Yeah, I mean, Wilton Spade had 18 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, led the Big Ten in the third down passing rating. Now... I mean, I watched every snap he played last year. I thought he was okay. I thought he was pretty good. I think he was great. I think he was good as Jake Rudock was the last four games that he played at Michigan. But um, by any reasonable standard, he would be considered a successful returning quarterback. He's not an All-American, but you can win games with a guy like that. Yeah, no question. Whether you you can win the games you think matter the most remains to be seen, but you can win games with a guy like that. Uh, Michigan State, you have them at 5-7 to with the positive coaching effect. Um, but this is, boy, you know, if you could put a negative program effect. Yeah, right man, at, I, I'm being as favorite. I, I overcompensated for being a Michigan fan with them. If you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Okay. I, right. I, 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 I took what I really thought and then added an extra benefit of the doubt just because. And, and for people that are new listeners to our podcast, you may not know this. I, I went to school at Michigan State. I've never been a, a huge Sparty fan. I've, I've been a Michigan fan all along. I went and rooted for Michigan in this Michigan State student section when I was a student there. But when you and I first became friends, I was, I, you used to see me root for Sparty all the time when they didn't play Michigan. Tom Izzo sent me a nice card when our firstborn kid, when Anna was born, because I was supposed to have him on the jock, and I had to cancel because that was actually the day Anna was born, and he found out about it. I, I'm not, I'm not anti-Sparty. D'Antonio ruined this for me, okay? He, and it has nothing to do with him beating us. Izzo's been kicking our ass for 20 years, John. I, I, I'm not. You, you don't hear me go sour on their basketball program. When we do the podcast, but just his persona. And the sanctimonious hypocrisy and arrogance and the saying of stuff like, we have the Lord's favor, you're the dean of Big Ten. The whole the, 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 That, frankly, to me, is a bit of a charade. And what I mean by his, – his resume is spectacular as a coach. But this persona that's been crafted of him, and it's been aided and abetted by suck asses at the Big Ten Network. No it's doubt. just a farce. It's a farce. This, what, what, what the hell coach has a player airlifted to Iowa City out of the poke to play on a Saturday afternoon right when his sentence expires? I know. The supposed dean of Big Ten discipline, Mark D'Antonio. By the way, John, what was the score of that game? What, was it was like 83 nothing Iowa that game or something. Wasn't it something like that? That game when they did that? Yeah, Iowa had a good day that day. That was a fun. You remember? You know what I'm talking about? They freaking airlifted the kid from the poke to play. Yeah, okay? it was. Yeah, I think that was was that that was 2009, right? Was that yes, with, uh, 35 to six or something crazy like that? Uh, that the guy. If if they wouldn't have done that, if they would not have built this guy up as some kind of super myth, sister Christian, super mythological figure, then I'd have no problem with it. But that has that really really bothers me on a personal visceral level and so i want to admit that up front and i'm acknowledging that in that i think i probably gave them more of a benefit of the doubt than they deserve because i'm i know what my own bias against him is going in so i'm trying my best yeah to sure uh minnesota and nebraska back to back here you have both of them at five and seven without uh any positive coach effect, and certainly not a returning starting quarterback for either of them. Both program, both programs lose senior quarterbacks who, you know, put up some numbers for both of those schools. Well, you know, I'm a PJ Fleck guy, but he's moving from Group of Five to the Power Five. So, uh, I in my coaching ratings, I didn't. If you were dominant at the Group of Five, but hadn't done anything in the Power Five. I didn't give you a positive factor for that. So I didn't even do that for Tom Herman either. So because he hasn't done it yet at the power five level. So, um, you know, I I don't want to I bring that up because people in past weeks have probably heard me wax poetic about my looming man crush on P.J. Fleck. But 
the way my metric work is works is he has to do it at the power five level before he gets credit for that. Indeed. Uh, and then Nebraska at five and seven. The whole key for Nebraska here is this. Mike Riley's got to win enough games to get another year. Because I think their roster is going to be a lot better 12 months from now. Brought in a really good class last year. This coming class may be even better. So, and I told you when I watched their spring game, and yeah, you can't get a lot out of spring games, but you have to, you, you can't, but you can if you know what you're looking for, right? What, when, if you go back, next time the, the, the Nebraska spring games on BTN, watch, look at the difference in size and athleticism, because if you can see this on television, imagine what you would see on, at, the, at a press box, coaching box, or sideline level. Look at the difference in size and athleticism in Nebraska's twos and threes versus their ones. And it reminded me of what Kirk Ferentz said last year that it's all crap in our drawers. Remember that? Okay. Our, well, you know, our, our, our twos would be threes at other programs and our threes would be fours. Remember when he said that? Yeah, that was two years right? ago before they went 12 and oh, oh. oh, yeah, it was two years ago. We all, and we all popped a turtle head in August and they went 12 and 0. Yeah, so, um, but boy, you could see it at Nebraska. You could see that the depth is not there. That they he needs another year to develop those guys and have another recruiting class comes in. If he can do that, he might be okay despite all the skepticism I've had of him. Not not because I don't think he's a good coach, just don't I've never bought the fit. But last year was the first year he or this coming year was the year or no, this past year I mean, was the year that he finally brought in those California kids they said he could bring in. Now he looks like he may even bring in more. But he's got to win enough games this year to get to that year, John. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I, I still don't know how they recruit so well at receiver. And yes, the uh, Calabrasca movement makes me, which makes me want to vomit. But it is what it is. Um, you talk about your bias against Michigan State. There's my bias against Nebraska. Northwestern, you have a seven to nine range with the positive coach effect and Clayton Thorson returning at starting quarterback. And I, I think. His development last year, and everybody wants to say, well, you know, they had Austin Carr at receiver. Well, who the hell was talking about Austin Carr last August? Were right. you talking about it, John? No. I didn't know who the hell he was. And I'm yeah. like, I'm freaking college football idiot savant. I didn't know who the hell it was. So now we're going to find out, though. Did Clayton Thorson make Austin Carr a star, or did Austin Carr help Clayton Thorson develop? Because you look at a school like Oklahoma. They lose Sterling Shepard. We go into the last season. Well, you know, who's their star receiver going to be? None of us knew what D.D. Westbrook was. He was a finalist for the Heisman Trophy. Why? Well, because he got that coveted number one receiver slot with Baker Mayfield throwing him the football. And so when you had a Baker Mayfield, you're going to create D.D. Westbrooks. Okay? So Clayton Thorson, we're going to find out. Did he create Austin Carr or did Austin Carr make him look good? We find out this fall. Uh, Penn State, or uh, rather Ohio State, is up next, and you've got them 12, uh, 10 to 12 with a positive coach and a returning quarterback. The uh, A returning quarterback who has as much experience as any senior quarterback in recent Big Ten history. You know, it's funny, too, because he doesn't scare you, really. You know, like, when J.T. Barrett takes off, I don't, I don't hold my breath like I used to when Braxton Miller did. Right. The guy also has set, I think, like 31 total either school or conference records. So that tells you what the hell we know. Yeah, I mean, when Terrell Pryor used to do that, that was – you'd pucker uh, for sure. Penn State, 8-10, to 10, positive coach, returning quarterback. You think there's a pullback here, huh? Well, I mean, if they go 10-2, and two, that's a pretty good season, right? It, so well, It is, but that's the high end of your range. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think they're. I mean, I don't think their line of scrimmage depth is anywhere near where Ohio State's is or even Michigan's is, frankly. Um, I think their skill position talent uh, is better than Ohio State's. Actually, I think it's better or at least more proven than Michigan's. But I don't think they have the depth. And uh, we still don't have the guy that when you go to the line of scrimmage and you're the opposing team's quarterback, you're thinking. I got to know where so and so is. They don't have that guy. Marcus Allen's a nice safety, maybe an All Big Ten player, but in their defensive front seven, there's no Lavar Arringtons or Courtney Browns coming off the edge. There, there, there's that. There's no guy that you know. You make sure you tell your fullback and tight end, hey, 
make sure you chip that guy on the way out to your route so our quarterback doesn't get – they don't have that guy. So, and, and I think that's what's missing. Um, the skill position talent offensively, I, I don't think they'll miss Chris Godwin much uh, wide receiver. He was great for them. But I think they've recruited very well there. I think they might have the best wide receiver unit in the conference, frankly, collectively. Uh, I think they got a stud tight end. Shaquan Barkley, dude, I just want to I just want to prescribe or, or I just want to ask for a Viagra prescription every time they show this kid's workout videos because I feel I, I feel the shrinkage coming on less and less of a man. This dude, he whatever it, I, I saw, saw some workout video he put out today. And the routine, the routine that they tweeted out on a vine would have would have actually topped the last three years of every performance by every tailback at the NFL scouting combine mm. since 2013. OK, so skill position talent, man, I think they have they might have the best arrangement in the conference, but I don't think the, the line of scrimmage depth is there yet. And it's not their fault. I mean, this, they're just now coming off the scholarship reduction. So I don't think they're two or three years away. They're probably one more recruiting class away. And they got, you know, right now their class is ranked by everybody in the top five in the nation. So there you go. Unfortunately, they are rolling in recruiting. Um, Purdue, two to four. Rutgers, one to three. Man. It's rough, bro. It's rough. It is. It is. And last. I just feel bad for my old buddy, Chris Ash, man. He was a cool cat when he was at Iowa State as the DB coach, but at least at least dude is making plenty of bank, yo. Yep, and hope he's saving it. Um, Wisconsin, eight to ten with a positive coach effect, and uh, I mean, listen, they're in the right division. They've got the right schedule. The schedule flips for them. I, I it would be an upset if they didn't win the West. I'll put it that way. You okay with me not giving them a, uh, a an extra point for experienced or successful quarterback? I mean, I thought about it. Hornybrook had some moments last year, but dude, he lost his job by the end of the year, so I couldn't I couldn't go there. You okay with that? Yeah, I'm fine with that. I mean, he was supplanted by a, a fifth year senior who had only made some emergency injury starts at any other point in time in his career. So it's not like he was you know lost the job to freaking. You know, a Hall of Famer, so no problem with that. Um, moving on to the Big Twelve, uh, Baylor four to six. That's a big pullback. It is. They have lost a ton, and this is when they're really going to feel the loss of that 2016 recruiting class. And the other thing I'm concerned about too for them this year is Matt Rule is a totally different style of coach. Now, I think it's possible he could be successful there if they give him time. And so whoever is his agent, mad props for getting an eight-year contract, well played, okay? Because he's switching. He is a pro-style coach. And if, and if he does, if, if they give him time, you know, you go to when, when Harbaugh went to Stanford and everybody was running West Coast, Air Raid, you know, um, with the exception of USC, but that was sort of towards the end of the Pete Carroll run. And so Harbaugh comes in there, hard-nosed, multiple tight end sets. He's running 22 sets and fullbacks. And the rest of the Pac-12 was like, well, you know, our linebackers are, you know, uh, 205 soaking wet. And he's just running guys over because he had the contrast in styles. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Baylor, that's what Rule wants to do. And if they give him time to recruit, considering that he'll be the only team in the Big 12 playing that way, that could be a benefit. But... I can just tell you as a Michigan fan, going from that style to a spread for us with Rich Rod was very difficult. It was even more difficult, though, to go from a spread to this because it's much easier to slim down guys than it is to bulk them up. And that that takes more time and seasoning. And you're going from recruiting where you want offensive linemen who are built like power forwards, where they're essentially doing pass blocking. Now you want to go hat on a hat, mall guys running downhill. That is going to take some time for them to develop and find those guys' job. They're totally changing over their program. Uh, next, Iowa State. You have them in a 5-7 to seven range. I think they're over-under in Vegas is, what, 4-4.5, four, four somewhere in that range, uh, with an asterisk for returning quarterback in Jacob Park, obviously. Park to Lazard should be uh, about as popular – 
as uh, we used to see when uh, Todd Blythe was there and Iowa State would throw it up. But Lazard's pretty dang good, and Park can really sling the ball. You're all in on the uh, Cardinal and Gold Kool-Aid. Now, it's also commensurate with the schedule that they are, they're playing. They're playing a league that doesn't play any defense, and they don't play any either. Their non-conference schedule, you know, they traditionally at least play Iowa tough at home, if not win more than their share. The other two games are very winnable. Um, and they won three games last year when there were a couple of more, Baylor, Oklahoma State, which were two of the better programs in the conference. They let those slip away. So I don't think that's that far-fetched. Now, I don't believe they will win seven games. I think they'll be lucky probably to win six. But I could see with – to me, I think they're a five-win team. Uh, that's why I think that's their floor. And then I think it's possible they might be able to steal an extra win or perhaps to get to a bowl game. I think that's the best they could possibly do. Kansas at one and three. Kansas State seven and nine with returning starting quarterback. Obviously a positive coach factor from Bill Snyder. Chris Williams over at Cyclone Fanatic. I think he actually has them finishing second like you. He also is high on Oklahoma State. I haven't looked to see what your predicted order is, which we'll talk about down the line as far as conference, but Chris had Oklahoma State number one, Kansas State two, uh, and then Oklahoma three. You're high on Kansas State this season as well. Well, talent-wise, essentially they're better than average. Coaching-wise, they've got a guy who's his own witch's coven. So, you put those two things together, and what I think is going to be a wide-open league. You know, I am beyond tired of hearing, on one hand, that Bob Stoops is certified Hall of Famer from the same people who then turn around and say, Lincoln Riley, though, they're not going to skip a beat. I mean, are, are seriously ask why? Come on. Both those things can't be true. You can't tell me that the guy's a surefire Hall of Famer but yet a guy who's 33 years old, never been head coach on any level at all, and three years ago was the offensive coordinator at East Carolina. He's just going to step right in. Damn, I guess Bob Stoops' job was overpaid. Wasn't that hard, John? Wasn't that hard to be a Hall of Fame coach? I mean, you can take a guy three three years removed from East Carolina OC and put him in charge of a team of a bunch of players he didn't sign and recruit and make him run the show, just step right in. It sounds to me like Bob Stoops is overrated and overpaid. John, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. Those things are tough to be uh, simultaneous, no question. i got to believe it's going to cost them at least one game. At least one, don't you think? One time that they make a call on a fourth down they shouldn't make, or they don't. Um, uh, I mean, it's got to cost you a game. And keep this in mind. Bob Stoops had not had a season in Oklahoma where he lost fewer than two games since 2004. So if we all agree he's a Hall of Famer, and the last time he had a season where he didn't lose at least two games, George W. Bush was running for re-election. Then, you know, I don't know how a 33-year-old who's three years removed from East Carolina OC does better than that in year one. Maybe he can do better than that in year five. I don't know how he does better than that in year one, though. Well, you, you say all that, but you've got Oklahoma 9-11 and 11 range um, with a positive. Now, keep in mind, these, these power rankings are done like in May. So this was done before... Okay. Stoops' retirement. Keep that in mind. Okay. So you've got them at 9-11. and 11. Um, Baker Mayfield back, obviously. If you had a redo here, would you be down to 8-10? to 10? I might stick with 9-11, and 11, but in when I did the, did the projections, when I might have had them go 11-1 and 1 with a loss at Ohio State, it might be 9-3 and 3 now. Gotcha. Okay. Oklahoma State, 8-10, uh, to 10, returning quarterback. Mason and positive coach effect, and you know Mike Gundy. Since he's gotten there in what no five, um, their top fifteen winning percentage uh, in the sport. He's done a, a very good job there, and uh, poised to maybe do some other things. The last week when we talked about your rankings, I think you had them in your uh, top final four, which your rankings were a projection for the end of the season, which meant you felt that they would win the Big 12 championship and also be in the college football playoff. I think you had them as a three seed. Yes, I think uh, my playoff prediction is Oklahoma, or, I'm sorry, Alabama versus Florida State, one versus four, so a rematch of the season opener. And number two, number three, I've got Ohio State, Oklahoma State. And I've got Oklahoma State and Florida State both making the playoffs with two losses. Hmm. Um, Texas, eight to 10 range that is a huge range 
without a returning starting quarterback, what's going on there? Well, I debated whether to have Shane Bouchelle be a quality quarterback or not. You could certainly make the argument. He, stats-wise, he did what was asked of him as a freshman quarterback last year and then some. So the two quarterbacks I debated about whether to include were Shane Bouchelle and Alex Hornibrook. If I had it, I, if I had it to do over again, especially now that I got your confirmation on Hornibrook, I'd still keep the extra win range off of him. But I probably would have, I probably would have attached it to Bouchelle, and and then kept it at eight to ten if I had it to do over again. But the dude code is in effect, so I don't have it to do over again. So I will own that, <laughs> and I'm, I'm I'm and you know what, I'm sticking with it. I've, I've gave you, I've, I'm going to keep giving this number out 42 more days until the season starts, okay? Average number of wins in the improvement in the first year when Tom Herman is either your coordinator or head coach is 4.3 wins. From 3 to 7 at Iowa State, from 6 to 11 at Ohio State, from 8 to 12 at Houston. Well, they got 16 returning starters. His quarterback was was the top quarterback at the Manning Passing Academy two weeks ago. And he's an offensive guy in a league that doesn't play any defense at all. Yet his teams at Houston actually play pretty good defense. He had a really good defensive coordinator there. He brought him with him there to Austin as well. I think things are really set up for them. Yeah, their defense early in the year last year looked really good. Um, Texas Christian, 6-8 to eight with a returning quarterback and positive coach effect. Yeah, I'm not sure that I, I, I maybe Kenny Hill. He's got good stats. I don't know, man. He's one of those guys, you know. Kind of strikes me as yeah. Leon can't do everything. You, you know just, what I'm saying? Yeah, you, you just know? you just gave him the dreaded. I don't know, man. That's not a, yeah, that's not good. It, it's not. Kenny Hill is one of those guys that makes every play except the one you really need him to make. Texas four to six. Will this be the uh, last year for? Oh gosh, I just had his name. Uh, his name in my head. Cliff uh, Kingsbury. Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, the last year for him there. I think he's got to coach himself out of that job. And he may. I mean, it might happen. And they gave him a ton um, of money. They gave him a ton of money. He's a favorite son. You know, so I don't think you want to be the AD that has to fire him and then hire his replacement. So I think that's one of those situations like what uh, Jamie Pollard faced early on at Iowa State with Dan McConnell. Uh, when, when 2006 started becoming a down year, no one wanted to be the guy to send Coach Mack to the guillotine. So instead, what you do is you is you put out some early feelers and do some you know trend analysis on how your season ticket base is looking at uh, is is looking at responding, and you let the numbers decide. And just like and that's what Jamie did with McCarney. The, the donations and season tickets were clearly in decline, and that forced his hand, and that removed emotion. Now, if Red Raider fans love him some Cliff Kingsbury, and so they go 5-7 and seven this year, and the season ticket base and the donor base is fine with it, then if you're the AD, you are too, and you keep your mouth shut. And if they're not, then they are the ones that you that then give you permission to make that move. Um, you've got West Virginia 6-8. to eight. Five of the ten Big 12 teams you have with a range that includes a six – um, with just really one bad team in Kansas, so I think this is going to be a much improved league. I really do. Yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't think there's two or three playoff contenders in the league. In fact, I'm not sure there's one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, but but I'm going with Oklahoma State because you just get the sense the stars are aligning for them to be, you know, what this year's Washington or Ohio or Oklahoma two years ago was number 19 in the preseason and made it to the playoff. You just get the sense things are lining up for them. But if I were to rank rosters, if we were just doing this on the All-22, they would not be a playoff team. Okay, so uh, I don't know that there is, from a from a All-22 standpoint, a true top-10 team in that league. But, man, I think there's a lot of top-25. I think there's a lot of bull-caliber teams. I think it'll be a bit of a bounce-back year for that conference, and they really need it. On the Pac-12, you've got Arizona – uh, four and four to six range. This is not getting it done down there. No, Rich Rod's probably wishing he took that South Carolina job. We had the chance. Yeah, I agree. Um, Arizona State six to eight range with an asterisk for returning quarterback. 
Manny Wilkins was good last year before he got hurt. Now they're bringing in the former five-star from Alabama, Blake Barnett, to challenge him. And I got a hunch Todd Graham's going to coach himself out of getting fired. That he's had a couple of really good years, took him to the Pac-12 championship game just a couple of years ago, got off to a 5-1 and one start last year, and then Manny Wilkins got hurt. Season kind of fell apart. I think they're going to bounce back this season and save his job. Colorado 3-5, to five, that is a huge step back for the Buffaloes. My two favorite bets on the board for Vegas win totals. My 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 over best bet and and my under best bet. My under best bet is Colorado. Under seven and a half. My over best bet is Mississippi State over five. Those are my two best Vegas best bets for over under win totals this year. I I think Colorado's going way down. I, I I, I think they're going to win four to five games. Oregon, you have six to eight, which that would be an improvement over last season, but still uh, a far cry off of what we saw for the better part of the late 90s and the first decade of the 2000s. Yeah, I think they'll reverse their record. Um, I think they were four and eight last year. They weren't that bad. Um, I think they can win seven or eight games this year and get Willie Taggart's um, tenure off to a good start. Oregon State four to six, nobody cares. Stanford eight to ten, coach effect in effect, returning starting quarterback in effect for them as well. And yeah, that I debated that one too though because we don't know what Keller Chris's availability will be. Uh, tore his knee in the bowl game. I mean, if he's healthy, then that's a no brainer. I mean, he was the guy that helped, really helped revitalize their offense last year. Defenses were keying like crazy on McCaffrey and. Um, the you know uh, Ryan Burns, the original starting quarterback, wasn't effective. He came in and helped to truly kickstart that offense and open things up for McCaffrey as the season went on. Um, but we don't know what his availability is for the start of the year right now. Well, you got to think as long as he's just not a sitting duck back there, um, you know that's a position that you can maybe get back a little sooner. But I'm probably simple. Yeah, and remember they opened that season August 26th too, so that's an extra week early. He's got to be ready. Mm-hmm. So. You know, they, 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 he got hurt in the Sun Bowl. That's New Year's Eve. So their first game's August 26th. So you're going to ask him to be back and ready to go as a starting quarterback less from ACL months. in less than nine months. Less, less than eight less months. Less than eight months. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty quick. So there you go. That is. Um, UCLA, six and eight. That is not good. Nope. And that's why I think Chip Kelly's coaching there next year. USC with the returning quarterback, nine to eleven. Yeah, and I think it's going to be closer to nine than eleven. Washington nine to eleven. You think they're closer to eleven with returning quarterback and the positive coach effect? And a and a much more sympathetic schedule than the one USC is playing. Yes. Okay, let's move on to the SEC. The last breakdown here, and I'm going to call an audible. I think we're going to have to save the uh, conference final day's conference predictions for next week as we're pushing an hour already on this one. Um, Alabama, same as it ever was. 10-12, to 12, positive coach effect, returning starting quarterback, maybe your Heisman Trophy winner, who knows. The tide keeps it rolling. It's it's really embarrassing, man. It, 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 and What's funny about it, though, is... As I get older, I actually appreciate dominance more than I did when I was a kid. I'd get sick of teams a lot quicker when I got younger. Like, I was rooting like crazy for Roger Federer to win number 19 today. Serena Williams, last year when she was going for the Grand Slam. As I get older, I, I, I appreciate dominance more. I don't really know why that is. Um, I just have a hell of a lot of respect for what he has done. And... And the era that he's done it in, in the conference he's done it in, the way he's reinvented himself, new assistant coaches, and and now we're talking about argue, they might have an NFL first-round draft pick at receiver in Calvin Ridley. They've got four tailbacks that would start for 99.5% of every other team in college football. Mm. And, and, and I'm not even counting, by the way, Najee Harris, who was the top recruit in the country. I'm not counting him. I'm counting the other four guys. Okay, I mean, Najee Harris was ranked the consensus number one player in America. I don't know how he plays. 
You look at the quarterback last year, Jalen Hurts struggled. Well, he was a freshman who was the big, or I'm sorry, the SEC Offensive Player of the Year. Ran for a, nearly a thousand. Ran for a thousand yards. Had 23 touchdowns and nine interceptions. Are you freaky kidding me? And and we're not so sure the kid behind him might not be better. Um, you know, he's sort of because he's a, a passing quarterback from Hawaii with mobility. He's being considered, you know, another Marcus Mariota type. We'll see. I mean, that guy only won the Heisman Trophy, but it's it's filthy what they have there. Filthy. And when we get to the end of the year. There are names you don't know right now. Um, Ronnie Harrison in the secondary, Ben Davis at linebacker, Deron Payne and Deshaun Hand at defensive line. When we get, to, by the time we get to the Iron Bowl, we're going to know who all those guys are on defense. Arkansas, it's, it's unbelievable the, the the recruiting pipeline he's put together. It is really it's, it's disappointing, depressing. That's the right word. Um, Arkansas six to eight. Uh, you know, follow up from last week. I said I was going to try and, and seek out the uh, explanation as to why Brett Bielema blocked you on Twitter. The more I thought about it, two things. One, I thought maybe I don't want to know the answer and reveal it because it could have potentially been embarrassing to you. Two, <laughs> I didn't want to spend my relationship capital on something as trivial as that so I apologize I did not follow up on that here's the real reason you don't want to know okay the real reason you don't want to know is that when he becomes the next football coach at Iowa you don't want to have something that we have previously acknowledged on his record as a total what's out dude code violation and that way if we don't ever find out that he's just a snowflake who couldn't ha- handle a dissenting view, then we don't ever have to know that. We don't have to acknowledge it. We don't have to talk about it. And we can still believe he's some kind of badass. That's the real reason you don't want to know. It, we'll just we'll call that option C then. That's fine. Okay. Uh, six, six to eight, tough division. Auburn, speaking of tough division. 9-11 to 11 range with a returner at quarterback. I know you're high on the Auburn football team. I think Jared Stidham's going to be the most impactful newcomer in the sport this season. I, I, I You look at the team they had last year, and most of their defensive guys are back, and they were good on defense last year. They led the SEC in rushing last year. They were the worst-ranked Power 5 team passing the football. Now you're bringing in a guy, former five-star recruit. He started three games at Baylor, 70% passing, 12 touchdowns, two interceptions, 11 yards in attempts. Those are crazy freaking video game numbers. And, And the yards per attempt, as I pointed out last week, in an air raid offense, which is where they're dinking and dunking, which means he's extending the scheme. He His talent transcends that scheme. Where they're not just out there throwing, hey, let's throw some bubble screens. Uh, nope. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna throw, we're going to extend the defense. We're going to make them defend the entire field. I think he steps right in. That's exactly what they needed at Auburn. I think he'll be a transformational player for them. Florida 7-9. to nine. They've lost quite a bit in the uh, NFL draft. They did. You know, everybody's talking about all the players Michigan lost. And, and just to point that out, by the way, why you can't just go by returning starters. So everybody says Michigan has five returning starters coming back. Well, there's nine other guys that started at least one game. Okay, so that's, I, we really got to look more at snaps played than starts. But the problem is most schools don't make that stat publicly available, so we can't. Okay, but Florida, no one's talking about this because we played them in the opener. They lost eight players off their defense to the NFL draft. So, you mean to tell me Jim McElwain's recruited better than Jim Harbaugh has the last two years to replace those guys? I'm not. I'm not sure about that. I guess we'll find out September second. So what you're saying is Michigan's backups are great and Florida's aren't. So what I'm saying is Maurice Hurst is going to be a first round NFL draft pick. Rashawn Gary may be the number one overall pick, and that'll be this year. Rashawn Gary might be the number one overall pick in the NFL draft in two years. 
those guys aren't being counted as starters for Michigan, even though they did start games last year and played a ton of snaps. <laughs> Tell me who that player is that you know right now for Florida that didn't start last year. I can't name one. I'm just trying to put you on tilt. Okay. Well, you're not putting me on tilt. That's a good question to ask me. And and you should absolutely ask me as a Michigan fan that question so you can prove I'm not on tilt. Well, My I only... point is I've got actual data to back up what I'm saying. Right. right? Okay. Now, now I, I I'm not so I'm not sure who the commiserate players, situational players were for Florida that are going to just step right in for those guys. Maybe they have them. We'll find and we may and we'll find that out on September second. That's why they play the games. No, yeah, we will. Uh, Georgia, eight to ten, returner at quarterback. I like their team a lot. Uh, they were top 15 overall in, in total defense last year. Ten of those starters are back. Um, and I like the offensive backfield. Tony Eason, Sony Michelle, and Nick Chubb, who I just love watching Nick Chubb run. And they got both those guys back now, a full year removed from knee surgery. I like Georgia a lot. LSU, 8-10. to 10. Still don't have a returning starting quarterback coming back. The the quest for a quality quarterback at LSU goes on. It's just one of the damnedest things I've ever seen. It really is. I, I just I have never seen a school have so many good players and just and not even okay. I mean they're they're essentially playing a walk on quarterback. And I you know what I just remember. Or a Purdue just, transfer. That's what I mean. He's basically a walk-on. If you're a washout at Purdue, you're essentially a walk-on. <laughs> and and here's the thing. I, I totally forgot about this until I, I was listening to the show on Sirius XM before I came on Saturday night. And they pointed out that Danny Etling's coming off, quote, minor back surgery. John, in the history of mankind... Has anybody of any race, creed, color, custom, or language ever had, quote, minor back surgery, John? Never? No. Never. There's never been a homo sapien in the history of this planet that has had minor back surgery. I mean, if you're talking about about taking a mole off your back, that's minor back surgery. Yes. That's actually cosmetic surgery. So, And I also heard he just now is back. To even doing like you know passing drills in seven on seven, and you, by the way, you know how this happened. Do you remember what happened in their spring game? Uh, did he sneeze? I don't know. What happened is, and Ed Orgeron, okay, Mr. Creole Creole coach, can't understand a word he says. Talk like this, Mr. Creole coach, who I think was ten and twenty five at Ole Miss. He comes out in a spring game and goes live bullets with his quarterbacks, like a true genius. And the game only lasted for a half because they had a tornado, so they had to, severe weather, so they shut it down. And like on the fir- in the first quarter, one of LSU's you know grown ass men, defensive linemen, just jacked Danny Etling up, and that's where he and that's where he had the back injury because Ed Orgeron went live bullets. We're going live, we're going go live bullets in a spring game. We're going live bullets. We're a tough football football team. So we're just as stupid as everybody else by having our quarterback sit in a damn swing game. That's what he did. So because of that, Dan Etling had, quote, minor back surgery, missed all of the offseason prep. He's just now back to actually throwing the football. Okay, that, That's that's like a Ross Perot, Ed Orgeron. Yes. This, Did you like that? This, this right here is Ed Orgeron. Like a little bit of fat Albert. That, that's who you talk about, Ed Orgeron. <laughs> you know, Ed Tufay. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but but so so I have to ask, just like I asked last week, if Sparty was three and nine before all these scandals went public, what are they going to do with these as a distraction? Can I now ask if that was Danny Etling at full health? What is a Danny Etling coming off quote minor back surgery? What do you think a my, what do you think that is? Well, at most schools that I call that fourth string. But yes. LSU, they're on it's pins and needles. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I remember one year, way back in the day, Georgia had a whole bunch of injuries at quarterback. And uh, who was the old Steeler receiver that they had that came from Georgia? Uh, Heinz Ward. They had a whole bunch of injuries at quarterback, and then rather than play somebody like Danny Etling, 
they just put Heinz Ward at quarterback, man. We didn't want like triple option, stuff like that. Figured at least we'll, at least he'll make some athletic plays for us. If I were LSU, I'd do that. You want to hear a crazy stat, by the way, about what and you know I love Les Miles, but come on. So Matt Canada, the new offensive coordinator at LSU, comes from Pitt, where they had a tremendous offense last year because for the first time in Pat Narduzzi's career, he couldn't stop anybody on defense. But they had a tremendous offense last year. Their left tackle at Pittsburgh last year caught two touchdown passes. Malachi Dupree, LSU's leading receiver last year, caught three touchdown passes. Hmm. There, there you go. Hmm. And that was with Danny Etling at full speed before, quote, minor back surgery. Indeed. Uh, Mississippi, 6-8. to eight. Mississippi State, 7-9. to nine. You already said that they're your best bet for the over as far as a five-win total. Um, Tennessee coming back a little bit, 7-9 to nine with no returner at quarterback and certainly no positive coach effect from them. Texas A&M, 6-8. to eight. You know, back when we were kids, they used to call them old 9-3 and three Earl at Ohio State. Do you remember that? Just went 9-3 and three every year. Yeah. And it's going to be old 8-5 and five, someone. You, you can't go 8-5 and five every year when your team literally invested a half billion dollars in their football program. They just are expecting more than that. Indeed. Well, like I said before, um, this has gone long, and uh, so not not long like we have anything to do. But I got to edit it, and I got to put the chicken in, and get the cats to bed, and probably check the glue. Dude, we haven't seen a snake since that fateful day, and I shared all that with you. But last week, my wife is asleep. It's three o'clock in the morning. Oh no! Oh no! She feels something. No. On her face. No. so she reaches up and swipes no. it, she swipes it away and then she feels something crawling on her arm so she no. she wakes up and she swats it off and she looks on the comforter and it's a brown recluse no brown recluse spider and hell to the no she has been sleeping with the lights on well we have been sleeping with the lights on since which I don't care I'll go to sleep I would say since we... Is Tom Hanks in this movie? Yeah. Okay, you know what I'm saying? Was it called the Money Pit? Yeah. You know, the place was not lived in for nine months, and it's on the edge of woods. Okay? So you're going to have some creepy crawlies. But I I would say between... And she went and then last week, and, you know, of course, she takes the nuclear option and orders a a gross or multiple grosses of uh, glue traps, 75 of them, but fails to realize that they are... Um, scented with peanut butter, and she has a she she has overtime olfactory sensitivities. Mm. So we I, I get under the bed myself, and dude, I don't care. I mean, I flash the flashlight under there. I'm crawling. She's like, I can't believe you're crawling underneath there. What do you? I'm like, well, I, I don't see him. What what am I gonna do? Like live my life as a hostage to fear? Not gonna happen. You know, ninety. It's a good place to start. Yeah, ninety percent of brown recluse bites just wind up being red and puffy it's those 10 percent that you have the necrotic skin loss that you look like the um crypt keeper from that hbo tales from the crypt have you ever googled brown recluse bites not uh not since i googled uh chlamydia afterglow no okay i would <laughs> what the what the Who Googles brown recluse spider bites? Who Googles chlamydia afterglow? That's not in the sex offender registry, John. (laughs) Who Googles that? That's not in the sex offender registry. Anyhow, don't do it. Save yourself the nightmares. And don't Google chlamydia afterglow. For God's sakes. Don't go to chlamydiaafterglow.com. I might go buy that tonight and put a, your face on there for so people can get it on the joke. So anyhow, I got to go check the glue traps before I go to bed so my wife is uh, can get some sleep. But yeah. Now I got I got to ask the dude question. Now, yeah, go ahead. Okay. At some point, this has got to be getting in the middle of marital relations. 
And um, I would imagine that's now when Daddy draws the line. Yeah, that's not- that. That's when Daddy makes some calls, and the Orkin Army comes in with their version of the hundred and first. If you know what I'm saying. Yeah, frankly, the the two acres uh, over the last two weekends, um, we I and uh, the help from two teenage boys that I've rented out. Uh, that should be a, a business that you should start. You know, two boys in a wheelbarrow. Um, moved twenty four thousand pounds of rock no joke 24,000 pounds um, 10 cubic yards of, of river rock 2 inch river rock um, cut down uh, over the last 2 months over 19 trees bucked them loaded them, hauled them off mode so boys this is what we call a humble brag john continue yes uh, yeah i mean it is what it is i mean i'm a man and all i don't need to you to tell me that um, i can feel it but let me itinerize it nonetheless deep down in my plums what (laughs) i said but go ahead and itinerize your manhood nonetheless yeah and a a few other things that pretty much none of you have ever done but other than that um it's you know just the whole work but yeah you know we're 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 good you know I, i i i like that we're here our kids can go ride their bikes and we're at the end of a dead end road that you can't get on unless you know it's here Mary's got a buddy down the street, and they're all riding bikes. I love it here. I go out sometimes 10 o'clock at night and just sit and stare at the stars because there's no light poisoning. But, yeah, I mean, I take a flashlight with me and a stick because sometimes I see raccoons running out there, and it freaks me out a little bit. I hear freaking owls in every tree, and I go put the kittens up so I don't wake up the next morning and, and there be a, a chicken, a kitten massacre going on. It's the country, man. You've never lived. You know my, you my, you know my thoughts on country living. Uh, if there's ne- not, if there's not a remote possibility that pizza delivery guy can get robbed, I'm not living there. <laughs> I mean, it's, we're a five minute drive from Starbucks still, but um, that's what she tells me. No, it's all right. But she, she'll get comfortable. Um, we're done. You know, we're not having any more kids anyway, so we'll, we'll figure it out. Uh, that'll wrap it up. And again, do not, do not Google chlamydia afterglow. <laughs> For Steve, I'm John. Unless you're at work and you don't want to work there anymore, then do it. We'll talk to you next week.